Hey everybody, welcome to our very first uh, Cape Town Sidekick. This is a shorter superhero podcast, mostly about superhero movies and our reactions to them that comes out in addition to our longer episodes. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chris Blood. I'm Hannah Mazel. And I'm Ryan Hamm. And we are going to talk about Avengers Infinity War for a few minutes today to give you our general impressions. We're going to start off this podcast with some spoiler-free takes. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can listen to this safely for the first eh, five minutes or so. And then we'll give you a big uh, warning when you move into spoiler territory. So you can turn it off and you can go watch it. And then you can come back and listen to the rest of it, as I'm sure you all will. But that being said, this is a really difficult movie to talk about without getting into spoil like it's a very one big long it, it really is like comes out of the gates with a big spoiler and from there on out it's pretty much one surprise after another yeah it's 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 tricky to talk about when you suggested doing a spoiler free section i was racking my brain as to how to do that <laughs> we just have to talk in really vague terms about yeah. i guess mostly about like liking it or not liking it which even then yeah. is a, probably a little bit difficult but um, obviously, there's a lot of expectations. There's almost a 10 years worth of expectations building up to this. There's been a lot of hype around it. How do you all feel like it did in terms of just the amount of pressure that was on this movie to perform? I think for it to have delivered the way that it did, I'm like, I'm completely satisfied. Like seeing so many characters that we've just followed over the years come together. Like that was, that was great. I think the overall story of it uh, was great. It is kind of hard to do a spoiler free talk about it, not to set too many expectations, but like this was like, this was a nine out of 10 movie for me. Mm -hmm. And I think what uh, you're getting at Chris is just how complicated this movie must have been to make. So really any criticisms that, that I would have of it need to be couched in the fact that you're talking about uh, 30 plus lead characters in addition to a giant uh, CGI villain, which we, we know is very, very difficult to pull off. And uh, I feel like in terms of the sheer scope, the impossibility of what was being asked of the Rousseau brothers and of Kevin Feige in particular, uh, I feel like they really did a really solid job of pulling all of this off. And any of the negative things I would say about it um, need to be couched in the understanding that the context of this was they had an almost impossible job and they, they damn near stuck the landing on it. Yeah, I feel like this movie also kind of created a genre for itself. Like it, it almost seems like something separate from the other movies. And not obviously, obviously the characters are familiar, but it's such a huge scope in terms of who's who are all the players involved and the story itself, including Thanos. You're you're combining characters who have never shared screen time together. You know, I I don't think that's too much of a spoiler, and you're seeing them, you know, share a scene, and it all works. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel overcrowded, but it's hard to even compare Infinity War to any of the other movies, including Avengers and Age of Ultron. I think that just the scope of this film felt larger, grander. And, um, you know, I was, I was skeptical when Avengers came out. I'm like, how are they going to make this movie good? It's going to be way overcrowded with talent. And, um, and it's like five characters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, here we are now, like everyone involved. And man, they pulled it off. Yeah, I feel like I was trying 
as I was watching, I was trying to think about a movie to compare it to because it was interesting that like one of the like most of the negative reviews I saw before going in and I didn't read any super closely because I didn't want to spoil anything. But most of the negative reviews kind of knocked the movie for not having very much time to do like character setup. But as I was reading that, it occurred to me that we've never really had a situation before where they're basically, you know, have close to 20 movies. What's the I don't remember even the final count, like 20, 25, 19. So, like, we've never had a situation before where there's been 19 movies of setup. Um, So you don't like it's odd to have a movie where you don't need a lot of character development because we've had literally like two days of time uh, to do that in the past. Um, The only thing I think that maybe comes close is uh, like Return of the King, the last Lord of the Rings movie, um, which like basically assumes you have a pretty big familiarity with all the other movies and just comes out of the gates blazing and doesn't let up until the end. Um, That's like the closest thing I felt to that. But even this is like, even a bigger scale because there are so many movies before it. And I'm amazed that the Russo brothers handled it so well. And I loved it. Well, speaking of character development, one uh, final thought before we move into spoilers that I thought was really, I had been, they had kind of hinted that this would be the case and I wasn't sure how seriously to take it, but I thought that Josh Brolin's performance as Thanos was a just excellent, just a very, very, a fascinating character, but also he was in many ways, uh, he was the protagonist in the sense that he had sort of a, a mutated perverted version of the hero's journey. Uh, he, he was called, he had a mission, uh, a mission that, that cost him a mission that over the course of the movie changed him and, and demanded him to, to stick true to what his convictions were as, as evil as they were. And in terms of having a real character arc, even though a lot of the the typical heroes like Captain America, the Avengers, the Guardians, maybe didn't see a whole lot of character development, uh, Thanos did. And by positioning him that way, I, I think it set itself apart from the rest of the movies by giving us a villain who we not only who we wasn't relatable, he's too evil to be relatable, but who developed and changed over the course of the movie. And Brolin can't like- have credit for it there. Yeah, and I feel like in a lot of ways that aspect of it, as well as a bunch of other stuff that I like, won't mention because it's super spoilery, but in a lot of ways, the thing I kept coming back to as I was watching it is this is the most comic booky uh, any of these movies has ever felt. Um, yeah. And that's that's definitely part of it because it's very familiar to have the vill- like villains in a giant comic book, especially a big crossover event, have this sort of twisted logic to their actions. Um, and, and it felt like the most overt, uh, space opera y of any of this stuff. Um, I got the feeling several times as I was watching, as I do when I'm reading some of the like some of my favorite comic moments, and it was just a ton of fun and super cool to see that on screen. So let's talk about those a little bit. We're moving into spoiler zone now. I feel like we need a like a big red button like they have on AM call in shows. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so if you haven't seen it turn this off now if you don't want anything spoiled for you but let's talk about some of the actual before we get into the ending which is what i know we all want to talk about uh talk about some of those comic booky moments or what were some of your favorite like actual moments in the movie what what stuck out to you oh man there were so many good ones i would say the very first scene was Mm -hmm. pretty shocking at first i thought my prediction from last week's recording was going to be accurate i'm like oh my god i did too i did too i thought of you i thought i thought they were gonna off hulk from the jump yeah i thought so too i was like oh yeah that 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 whole like the first five minutes were just 
Like they, they're going into it. So, you know, they pretty much started off like right after Ragnarok. And there was, I feel like, you know, a moment with Loki where he thought this is typical Loki. Like he sees an opportunity for power and uh, influence. He's going to take it. And, and it wasn't even all that surprising because he's always flipping back and forth. You kind of, you know, you, you see like a, a general um, shift in him a little bit more uh, since I guess Thor too, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, yeah. And, but I thought his ending was, was pretty beautiful. Uh, just like <laughs> that, that, that side glance to Thor. He's got, he's got his, uh, his knife, you know, He's gonna. He. I think Loki knew in that moment he was. He was. He was gonna be killed. But just him looking at, at Thor that last moment, and I thought that was. I thought that was a good way to go uh, out for him. Yeah. Yeah. Him. Him acknowledging. Him saying like Prince of Ad- Asgard, son of Odin. Like that was. That was an awesome like farewell. Um, yeah. Right before they got into it, and like the the whole the whole display of Thanos's power in that first scene, like it really does set up. His, his fight with Hulk, like just kind of manhandling Hulk was incredible to me. And it really like let me know right out of the gate, this was going to be a Thanos movie. And I was just like, I was all in at that point. Like I was kind of, I was, I was sold b- before, but like just seeing how much, like how quickly he handled Hulk and that like Hulk was just like out, uh, was, uh, was pretty awesome. That was, that was seriously like one of my favorite, that was one of my favorite, uh, moments of the, uh, of the movie. It was when I knew that this movie was going to be my, like I was on this movie's level of, uh, of wanting Thanos to position himself as a uniquely powerful villain. But also I, I like throughout the whole movie, Thanos's characterization, he never goes into these long monologues screaming about how like I, I infinite power. Like there's not, yeah. it was all very, very, <laughs> It was all very human in a way that was very twisted, uh, particularly the, of course, the big, probably my biggest single surprise of the second act was when the Red Skull showed up to yeah. help Thanos get the Soul Stone. <laughs> I swore aloud in the movie theater. And then, <laughs> and then that whole scene with him and Gamora. How did we feel about the about him sacrificing Gamora to get the Soul Stone? Well, we know how Chris felt. No, no, no. <laughs> you don't know how I felt. I, I, like, you uh, it. No, this was you like... You called it. You did call I, it. Yeah, well, okay, I did call it. But I was touched. Like, it, it, like it, the impact... I get my previous stance on Gamora and you guys know how I feel about her previous like roles in guardians. Like I absolutely loved her in this movie. Uh, she was written incredibly well. And I feel like, uh, Zoe's, uh, time on screen was some of my favorite moments, uh, in the movie, especially given the emotional impact of, of that part of the movie. Um, and I mean like the way that her and, uh, Josh Brolin, like the way that they played off one another, like Brolin acted that scene incredibly well first, like this, like, overwhelming presence like of a purple giant uh like to really like convey a convey an emotion that you felt empathy for uh was it was so impactful for me and that uh, like that whole her I, i'm really excited to actually go back and watch the previous guardians movies now with this context of like kind of like mm, some yeah. finality to uh her arc and maybe probably have a little bit more leniency there and just kind of understand her character a little bit more. She has been redeemed. I think so. <laughs> death. Like I thought, I thought that scene was really good. And, and it was, I think 
what made it even better for me was like I liked the scene in the moment, but it, you know, I was kind of like as soon as he, as soon as that was the request, I was like, oh, he's going to kill Gamora. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, I, like, what I didn't anticipate was like the cost that that would have later. Um, like that, you know, that that essentially would be the thing that Quill would basically yeah. blow the entire possibility of ending everything. And I thought that was like that was really cool that they brought that back. Um, and I thought like really good characterization because that seemed pretty consistent with everybody's character. It was a, it was a surprise to me. I, I thought that Chris Pratt, Peter Quill was sort of an underrated in the past. He has not been super impressive to me in certain ways. He's very funny, but he hasn't had, he hasn't, there hasn't been a lot demanded of his character, but I thought he really punched right. above his weight in this movie. Uh, he delivered some really yeah. emotional scenes. That scene, uh, like it was infuriating to watch him spoil the really to uh, be instrumental in killing off half the universe because he because he ruined the, their plan but his emotions were very very believable and his motivation it was it was easy to see why he reacted the way that he did um i i really appreciate it. there was a lot of good laughs his his moment of pretending to act to talk like thor was great that was the best <laughs> was very funny um let's talk a little bit about how they split everybody up you had rocket groot and thor off on uh to go reignite the part of a dying star to get Thor his new hammer. Uh, And then you had Iron Man, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man trapped on the ship. And then of course the rest of the Avengers in Wakanda, Um, which one did any of those seem stronger to you guys or weaker to you? I think that there were some really awesome moments between uh, rocket and Thor. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that scene I, on the spaceship that was, was a, incredible. Oh, mm-hmm. my Good goodness. scene. And, there, and it was a great character moment, which is why I'm not sure I followed the criticism that there weren't any character moments in this. Yeah, and they didn't spoil it immediately with humor. Yeah, <laughs> like James Gunn would have. Right. Yeah, no, that, that moment where he's like, you know, Rocket's like, all right, time to be a captain. And he, and he goes and he initiates this conversation with Thor. And, like, you, you know, you're kind of wondering, like, Thor has just seen, like, a whole lot of loss in his life, you know? And so I think to have that that moment between a character whom you've, you never would have expected an exchange like that to take place and it, and it worked and it was really impactful. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the ending now, which I should have seen coming in retrospect. We talked a lot last week about who do we think is going to die. Um, and the answer was pretty much everyone as it turns out. And it was, <laughs> it was extremely moving. And there were a lot of, I, I think my big, like, oh, they're really going to do this moment was when T'Challa uh, vanished and, and they, then yeah. they took out all the Guardians. And then, of course, the scene between Peter and Tony was just a knife in the heart. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> it absolutely was. Chris, Chris, yeah, was I, turning I, over. Chris I, been, I saw you consoling your wife right afterwards. <laughs> oh, man. My, my wife, has, Elise, has just been wrecked. Like, I, I would say most of our conversation yesterday was about this movie. And a lot of it came back to her wanting to know whether or not there's, like, finality to this. Like, how could they really, like, kill mm-hmm. off all these people? Um, yeah. Which, like, I totally understand. And, like, I've, yeah, she, she was like, I feel like you're keeping stuff from me right now. And I was like, well, like... I read a lot more stuff than you do. Like, <laughs> like this is kind of what I like dive into in my free time. And like, so, but yeah, like, so like she, it was, it was really interesting to see the emotional impact that it really had on her. 
yeah, I, I, I did have to console her, but like, yeah, it was, it was such an impactful moment that, that scene with Peter, I, it was interesting to kind of like read some, um, read a few takes on that of like, because for him, it took a lot longer in a way, like granted, like a lot of it was pretty instant. Like it took a lot longer for him to actually vanish and him, like actually it was his spider sense, like giving him the warning that he was like, something was going on. Uh, for him to like actually realize like he was about to go like, so like that whole prolonged moment was because he realized like it was about to actually affect him. And man, that like calling Tony, Mr. Stark and telling him he's sorry was just like, that did me in like Tom Holland is such a good Peter Parker. It it ruins me. I, I have a quick question and thought about when certain characters actually died due to Thanos's snapping of the finger. So I noticed winter soldier was the first person they showed to actually start vanishing. And I wonder mm-hmm. if age played into that at all. I mean, I know it's like a silly kind of detail, but like he was, he was the first one and then Peter was the last hmm. and winter soldier was the oldest. Hmm. That's actually an interesting question. And Elise, uh, Elise, going back to Elise, like she had so many thoughts on this movie. And one of it was like her immediate take was that like Thanos did something to like affect the, like the age. Like, so like, the super like something like made Bucky actually like appear his age. And so he was vanishing. So that was like her thought of like, Oh, well like he's gone because like, he just like, isn't going to be like, he isn't supposed to be alive anymore. And then she's like, then everybody else started dying. Yeah. So yeah, that is an interesting thing. Like could, uh, as far as the age thing goes, I feel like back, um, something Chris mentioned, I like it's hard. Cause like, I, I thought they handled like until Peter went, I didn't feel like it felt a little distant to me, like the ending, just because like, if you've read the comics, like you kind of know how everything turns out. Um, So that kind of blunted it until Peter started. So it was like, it was interesting that they kind of had something for everybody in there where it's like, if you haven't read the comics, this is like a hugely shocking event. And even if you had, like you have to grapple emotionally with this thing that's happened and it's very sad. Um, One of the criticisms that I've seen is that the ending feels muted, like the the, uh, impact of that feels muted because people know that these characters are going to come back, that there's no way they're going to kill off Tom Holland. Um, They're going to bring back Chadwick Boseman for Black Panther 2. My personal take was that I... I feel like that that I, I understand that there's a cynical nature to the world we live in right now and to the Holland to Hollywood is an industry that would lead people to say, well, no, there's no way they're not going to bring these characters back because there's too much money to be made in them. But I feel like that feel, it feels a little disingenuous to me because for so many of these movies, the key to them is escapism and uh, losing yourself in the story and how powerful it can be to watch a really well handled, extremely tragic and audacious scene. And you can ruin any story for yourself enough if you think about the business mechanics behind it or or what could happen or the ways it could be undone. I personally felt like that knowledge didn't really um, didn't really change how much uh, m- the emotional impact that those characters' deaths had on me. But how do you feel about it? I thought it. I mean, back to something we were talking about earlier. Like to me, that's part of what felt so comic booky about it. Uh, is that, you know, like when you're reading a comic and a character dies, you you know, it's sort of like, well, you know, they're obviously not going to keep Batman dead or Wolverine or the flash or something like that. But I think, you know, the, the best and, um, like, I I think the most effective, especially big crossover events that have death or a lot of death, 
really make you feel the impact of that. Like, I think especially, I think of, like, Barry Allen's death in Crisis on Infinite Earths, or which crisis was that? I don't remember. Um, whichever, whichever one Barry Allen dies in. Like, that left a void in, like, the universe, and it was, like, really impacting even though you knew like eventually they were probably going to bring him back and the same with the death of captain america like even though you know like there's no way that marvel or dc are going to kill off like their marquee heroes forever it still presents some emotion that you have to grapple with and i think some really interesting storytelling possibilities hannah chris what do y'all think in terms of like i know you guys were some criticism has been that the like people the audience felt removed from the deaths i would say that they handled the like on screen the the deaths themselves pretty well like i it happened so quickly i don't know if like they were expecting people to start screaming right away like the, the actors <laughs> but like I, I would imagine if like some people were just all of a sudden disappearing like that like it would be shock and i wouldn't necessarily have like this over-the-top reaction to it that's my opinion on that but on in terms of their deaths not meaning anything in terms of like the franchise mm-hmm. I, I I would agree with what Ryan said. I mean, these are it's it's part of the comic book storytelling style, you know. Like you have characters that that, that die, and it means something in the story arc. And um, I think that by this point in time, we've seen enough. People have seen enough movies, um, and especially you know we, we've seen it happen with uh, Superman. And I actually haven't seen Justice League, so I don't really know what happens. But, you know, characters do die and they come back. And I I like that part about these movies. Um, I think that there are some characters that are really dead, though, that aren't going to come back. Um, Let's talk about who... I wanted to move into that. Who's dead and who's quote-unquote dead in these movies? Loki's got to be dead. Loki's Loki's dead. Gamora's probably dead, too. Vision, I think, is dead. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I think he's dead. I don't. I think that... No, yeah, no, I'm no. Not sure. Yeah, because I feel like when I f- don't think that Shuri would have like swiped away like what she was doing the way that she did if she didn't. I feel like she separated all those parts about him and like downloaded it elsewhere, and he's going to be like he's going to be recreated in a new form in, so- in some way, some way, shape, or form. I think you'll, I think you'll be back. It's crazy that we don't know if Shuri's alive too. Sure, it is unconfirmed. But I think the fact that the stone still exists might give the possibility that Vision could come back to life. Yeah. But I definitely think, I agree, I think Gamora's dead, and I think, yeah, I think Gamora and Loki are both dead, and I think anyone who dies in the next movie will stay dead. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if they'll end up swapping uh, the deaths from this one, uh, and we'll see, because we're down to our original cast of Avengers and Rocket and Nebula, I guess. And, uh, right. and I, I could see them, since these are the people, Rocket aside, whose contracts are are pretty much up as far as we know, I could see there just being a a flip. So the, in a way, these deaths are sort of the primer for Avengers 4, uh, in which the original heroes sacrifice themselves or retire or or uh, otherwise die. Yeah. Yeah, is, I wonder if there's going to be some level of sacrificing there that like brings people back yeah I'm, I'm so curious like we have we have dr strange say like saying that he's like looked at over 14 million versions of this and only one way they win and before that he says like he'll let tony die like to protect the time stone that they have an oath and then he just willingly gives it up so like i love the finality of this being like one complete story i think that like that was that was what the russo's like 
and Kevin Feige all always said that this was going to be like one full movie. Um, so I, I am, I am incredibly satisfied like with where it's at. One thing my wife brought up, um, as we left the theater, Kate, Kate was saying, she was like, I, the thing I keep wondering is what did Dr. Strange mean when he told Tony it was the only way. Um, so like what, you know, is this playing a long game or did he just mean that was the only way to save your life? Or, um, you know, was he, was this part of the solution that he saw, which brings me like, I wanted to bring up one thing quickly is, um, one of my favorite comic book things in this movie is that they let Dr. Strange be Dr. Strange, which as anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I am like all in for, um, (laughs) like the part where he suddenly burst into like 200 different versions of himself. (laughs) I was was like, I was just cheering on the floor. It was great. (laughs) That was so cool. That was, I do feel like every iteration of Dr. Strange since the movie has been a much better version of Dr. Strange than the movie itself. Like we get to see him be, be very weird and be very like all knowing about certain things and be extremely powerful. And if, if they can keep this level of Doctor Strange going, then I'm all in on the sequel in a way that the the first movie didn't really grab me. So the the stone in the Eye of Agamotto uh, motto mm-hmm. it was it was that the Time Stone? Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Is it possible like that he could could he have done something to the Time Stone? like compromised it in any way, like putting some, like put some sort of spell on it. Cause that's what I was wondering, like in order to like have like a little bit of control maybe over the situation, had he, if, had he just allowed Thanos, you know, to kill Tony yeah. and eventually get the stone. Like I'm assuming those are like the, the possible scenarios he saw played out as opposed to maybe giving him the stone, but like doing something to sabotage in a way, play the long game. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no. I I can see. It feels very likely that the time stone will play into Avengers Four in some way. We also obviously know that Captain Marvel is going to be involved thanks to the post credit scene. So I really, I I feel like any guess is on the table now. It's interesting to like feel like I kind of know how the movie's going to end, but I have absolutely no clue how they're going to get there. Um, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, well, I think with that, we need to start wrapping it up. Uh, any final thoughts you want to leave people with? Uh, Peter Dinklage. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, uh, was my that was my favorite sequence of the whole movie was when they were making Thor's hammer or Thor's axe because a if you guys have ever played like an RPG video game it felt like one of those where it's like oh this thing is wrong oh but by the way we can't do this until this happens um, <laughs> and just seeing like that whole moment of like Thor being dead and like the slight crackling of lightning. Like that's where I almost swore at this. <laughs> I swore when the red skull, I, I swore a lot in this movie. There was a lot of swearing, going, <laughs> which you shouldn't do. You shouldn't talk during a movie at all. And you certainly shouldn't swear in a movie theater, but, but I, I, what can I say? It happened. All right. Well, thanks for listening uh, to this uh, Infinity War sidekick. Uh, if you like what you hear, we have every week, uh, not every week, I don't think so. Every other week, we do a podcast in which we choose a specific superhero or a superhero thing and explore it. Uh, you can go uh, subscribe to hear the rest of those. And obviously, you can give us a positive review and follow us on Twitter at Cape Town Pod or on Facebook at Cape Town Pod to stay up to date on what we're doing. And we'll uh, have another sidekick that comes out. I guess it's a well, Deadpool. That'll be our next sidekick. We'll probably have to get some Deadpool to review in. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chris Youngblood. 
I'm Hannah Mazel. And I'm Ryan Ham. We'll see you next time.